Luke 19.10, we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, This is a story uh, many of us uh, maybe can't even remember the first time we heard the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Maybe even especially in children's church, um, have sung about Zacchaeus, have learned about Zacchaeus. Um, But really serves as a powerful example of of watching Christ as he shows us what unconditional love looks like. So I'll be uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace and your mercy that you show to us every day, and even your unconditional love in sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We ask now that you would work through your word, even as we look at Christ and how he lived, that we would learn from your word, that you would change us, that the Holy Spirit would be transforming us. Lord, then that you would help us even as we seek to live out these truths in our daily lives to those around us, that we'd be showing your love that you've shown to us to those around us. We ask that you would be glorified. We praise you for this in your name. Amen. I had the opportunity to grow up with five siblings, and as I shared this morning, uh, my dad was a youth pastor, and so that meant we grew up um, in a large home, and one of the things that we spent a lot of time doing was trying to save money as we went about uh, really our lives, and so my mom was very good at coupons, and so we were always looking for different deals, trying to save money, and so one thing about coupons, if you've ever experienced coupons or tried to use a coupon, is there's always stipulations or conditions that have to be met. And so sometimes a condition means what brand you're using has to be uh, met in order to the, for the coupon to be used. Sometimes it's the date. You have to use it before it expires. Sometimes it's how many of a thing have to be used. And so all these conditions on a coupon, and if it works, it's great. But maybe you've experienced what it's like to be rejected with a coupon that one of the conditions wasn't met. And so certainly, you know, sometimes it's just trying to save a little bit. Sometimes you can save a lot. Um, but there are conditions on those. And it's interesting as you look at all the different conditions that go into being able to use something as simple as a coupon. But when you look at our everyday life, there's something that we often put conditions on as well. And that's showing love to those around us. And so as we look at the passage before us, we see that unconditional love ought to be shown unconditionally. And we certainly could all maybe nod our heads and say, yes, we all agree with that. But then as we look at our own lives and we look at the need to show unconditional love, we often find the different conditions that we're putting up in our lives before we show unconditional love. And if those are all met, then certainly we'll be willing to go out of our way. 
But many times, there's different things that come up, and so maybe it's our schedule, or maybe it's who the person is or their background, or maybe it's uh, the ease of showing that. And sometimes the conditions show up, and if they aren't met, we aren't willing to show unconditional love. But what Christ shows for us in this passage is he strips away all of these conditions, all of the externals that the barriers we often have in showing Christ-like unconditional love. And it's really good to see three observations of this love being shown to the rejected. So first of all, we see the condition of the rejected. And so what Luke is going to be doing here is introducing us to a new character. If you've been reading through, you were reading through the first 18 chapters of Luke, you would get to chapter 19 and notice that Zacchaeus hasn't shown up anywhere. And so even as he begins in verse 2, he says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. So it's kind of an indication that you can be introduced to a new character. And so here, Zacchaeus is now entering the story. And so we get to see a description as Luke describes who Zacchaeus is. So you might not, you certainly would have known anything about Zacchaeus from Luke. So we get to Zacchaeus and we see, first of all, that rejected people are unpopular. So he's going to give two descriptions of Zacchaeus. And you can even imagine what the general response to somebody like this would be. So we see that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was rich. So if you were trying to describe somebody that was popular, these wouldn't be the two descriptions you'd be wanting to describe of them. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So even if we look at this, well, how does a person like this even, how are we entering a person like this in the story? But verse one says he entered Jericho and was passing through. So here we find ourselves in Jericho. We find a man named Zacchaeus. But if we even understand Jericho, this is a well-known toll place, a major custom center. So Zacchaeus doesn't have to have a lot of brain cells to realize, where can I go tax everybody? He's coming to Jericho. So then you imagine the people's view of Zacchaeus. Maybe they, you know, the crowd there, they've run into Zacchaeus, or he's been taking money from them. And so someone that takes money from you probably isn't your best friend. They're not going to be viewed very popular from you. And so that's the first description, is he was a chief tax collector. Not just an ordinary, but he's chief, top of the tax collector world. So just even imagine the view of someone that's working for Rome, and then you have the Jews looking at Zacchaeus. He's not going to be very popular amongst them. Even if you were to just go back in Luke 18, you can see the context of what a tax collector means. And maybe as we look in our world today, we think tax collector, okay, that might be a little annoying. But you get to see how Luke describes tax collectors as a very different world than the way we would look at tax collectors. And so in Luke 18, verses 10 and 11, we see the well-known story of two men going to pray. You have the Pharisee and the tax collector. But watch what the Pharisee says. He says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you, I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. This is a list you wouldn't want to be on. And the last one says, or even like this tax collector. So this is where we find ourselves in Luke 19. This is the view of tax collectors. They're the bottom of the barrel. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. And this is Zacchaeus, the new character we get introduced to. But even later on in the same chapter, Luke 18. So Luke's almost giving us a little preview of the view of tax collectors. And they say of someone then that is both a tax collector and someone that is rich. They say of, of a rich man, he says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth 
to enter the kingdom of God. And so as you see in Luke 18, the story of a tax collector and someone who is rich, now we get into Luke 19, and this is our new character, Zacchaeus. He's both a chief tax collector and someone that is rich. So even as you see this, you can see how unpopular Zacchaeus would be. So if we even fast forward to our time today, we might not have a chief tax collector, someone like that. But we certainly can look around our neighborhoods and our communities and see who the unpopular people might be. It's easy to see how the crowd might have said, oh, well, that's, you know, certainly that's Zacchaeus. He had it coming to him, but we don't do that today. And yet many times there's people around us and maybe it's their job or their status. Maybe whether it's their poor or their rich, but many different things end up that there's those unpopular people around us, the unwelcomed around us. And oftentimes we end up doing some of the same things that the crowd was doing of their view of Zacchaeus. And so oftentimes in our own communities, there might be those unpopular people in our neighborhood, the rejected as well. And so Luke lays for us the description of this is a new character, this is Zacchaeus. But then he shows us people's response to him. We see that rejected people are unwelcome. And so as we've laid out who Zacchaeus is, then verse 3 says, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And so we see a couple problems for Zacchaeus. One, he's small, and so it's going to be hard to see Jesus as he's passing through. But then you also see how the crowd responds to him. And so if we see it says, on account of the crowd, he could not see who Jesus was. And so as you see this, Zacchaeus is quite curious. He's seeking to see who Jesus is. He really would like to see Jesus. And yet we see what's getting in his way, not only his height, but the crowd is unwilling to let him through. And so you even get to see a little glimpse of how the crowd might have treated. If any of them might have known who Zacchaeus was, it wouldn't be a surprise that they wouldn't let him get through. But if you were to flip it, imagine someone that's very popular in the community or someone that's welcomed. It'd be very easy to, sure, go ahead to the front of the line. And yet you can see, or maybe you'd imagine as the crowd looks who behind them and then immediately turns away. And they're not even going to make one ounce of effort to let Zacchaeus to the front of the line. And so you get to see maybe just a glimpse of what the, how the crowd treated Zacchaeus. But you can certainly imagine that's not the only glimpse of the crowd we see. Because even later on in verse 7, it says, when they saw it, they all grumbled of Jesus' response to Zacchaeus. And they say, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So you see that the crowd's view of Zacchaeus is not very welcoming. So Zacchaeus, the rejected here, is quite unwelcomed, quite left out from the crowd as well. And yet even as you think of who Luke is writing to, even the outcast, the unwelcome as well, they would maybe even identify with with the story here of seeing Zacchaeus, someone that's an outcast, someone that's unwelcomed as well. But then we get to see that in verse 4, that rejected people are, many, are searching. They're many times the ones that are most curious, as they've been rejected by their friends, the communities around them, but they're looking for answers, looking to find the truth. And so we see Zacchaeus is one of those. It says, verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. So here's Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector and someone that's rich, and yet even Zacchaeus wants to know who Jesus is. And so he's so curious. He gets to the crowd, can't see him. He doesn't just simply walk away. And so you get to watch even as Zacchaeus, maybe he's heard about Jesus. We don't know how much Zacchaeus knew of Jesus, 
But you can imagine, maybe there's stories going around. Maybe he's seen, what's all the commotion about? Maybe he's heard stories from other people having their lives transformed by Jesus. And so Zacchaeus wants to get a glimpse of this. But as he's turned around, he's willing to say, okay, how do I get a glimpse of Jesus? Whatever it takes. And so here you have then Zacchaeus climbing into a sycamore tree. So you can maybe imagine for someone that's rich and a chief tax collector, how maybe embarrassing or ridiculous this would be. And yet he's desperate to see who Jesus is. So maybe for us to try to just understand what this would be like, maybe either as a kid or maybe as an adult, there was a celebrity or maybe a famous athlete or famous author that came to town. And maybe you've personally had a chance to go see someone like that. You can imagine, or if you had wanted to at least, maybe someone's coming to town and you get a chance to go meet them. But you could see how nervous you might be that you have a chance to actually get to talk to them, to shake their hand, maybe to get an autograph, whatever it might be. You can see maybe that nervousness, or maybe as a kid, if you have a chance to meet a hero of yours, and you can see how nervous you might be, or there's a whole crowd around him. You just want a chance to get to, to see that person. But then you imagine Zacchaeus wanting to see who Jesus is, and so he's willing to do whatever it takes. But even verse 3, as it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he didn't just try to get a glimpse, oh well, walk away, go on with his life. He's desperate to look and find out who Jesus is. And so even as you get to see this, this is a rejected man, someone that's unpopular, unwelcome, yet he's wanting to find out who Jesus is. And many times it's the rejected around us that are most open to the gospel, and yet people aren't willing to reach out to them. There's conditions that are being put up to show them unconditional love. And so many times they're rejected. Those conditions aren't met. And so we aren't willing to take time out of our life or to, to sacrifice, whatever it might be, to even just go across the street, regardless of what the reputation might be. So just as Zacchaeus is experiencing this, he himself, though, was, was searching. So it's a good reminder for us that sometimes the people that we least expect to be searching are the ones right around us, the ones that we've been ignoring or rejecting. We've been putting up barriers to showing them Christ's unconditional love. And so Zacchaeus lays out for us the condition of the rejected, of, of who Zacchaeus is. But now the story shifts. And so now we get to watch as Christ enters the story. We get to see the pursuit of the rejected. And it's really amazing, even throughout the Gospels, as you just get to sit and watch Christ and his interactions with those around him. Even as we sang this morning, nearer, still nearer, how many times in the gospel we get to just sit and watch Christ. And so that's what happens here as Luke now shifts the story to Jesus. And he really gets to just put on full display what unconditional love looks like. And so verse 5, we see that unconditional love initiates or it seeks out. So it says, as Zacchaeus is now in the tree, now enter Jesus. And it says, verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So you get to see what and understand what Christ is doing here. Even as he is on his way, it says he's just passing through Jericho. You think about what's going to take place in the next few chapters in Luke. Even as Christ knows what's coming, he knows the death and what he's going to be put through on the cross. And so you can imagine all that's going through his mind. He's got the disciples trying to minister to them, all the things that are happening. And yet, here he is on this road, and we get to see him stopping. The whole crowd, everybody else has rejected Zacchaeus. And yet here now, Jesus really flips the script as it says, as he takes time, 
And he looks up and says to him and talks to Zacchaeus, and he says, I must stay at your house. And so it's truly amazing to watch Christ, of all people, willing to take time and talk to Zacchaeus. But not only that, he doesn't just wait for Zacchaeus to talk to him. He steps into Zacchaeus' life. And so he initiates. He, he doesn't wait for Zacchaeus to ask anything, but rather he steps into Zacchaeus' life. And so if you were to just read Luke 19 and see this, this would maybe look somewhat amazing that he would do this. But if you've been reading through the book of Luke, you're actually going to see that this is the normal way of life for Christ. So Luke 4 Verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So we get to see that's why Christ came. That's what Christ is in the business of doing is proclaiming good news to the poor, of reaching out all of these people that many times have had conditions put up of why people won't show love to them the captives, the blind, the oppressed. Then Luke 7, we get to see Christ do this again. It says, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. So we get to see Christ is reaching out to the rejected around him. He's stripping away any condition that might have been put up in order to show unconditional love. And so now here is a, re- a rich, rejected man. And Christ is added again of showing this unconditional love, reaching out to those around him. And so as we get to watch this, it can be easy to, to look at Zacchaeus and say, that's great that Christ is initiating into his life. But maybe you don't necessarily feel a connection of, of Zacchaeus. Certainly you might not feel a connection of the rich connection. You can say, I, I can't relate to that. He's a chief tax collector. But we can see one aspect that we can relate to him is that we once were rejected as well. And if it it was only because of Christ initiating love that we have known Christ as well. And so Colossians 1 reminds us of what we once were before Christ. It says, In you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death. So as we look at that, and even our, we are reminded of Christ initiating his love into our lives. That's what Christ does. And so he did that into each and every one of our lives. But he's done that into Zacchaeus as well. He steps into their lives to show them unconditional love. So this is really what grace is. There's no conditions. There's nothing that has to be met before he's willing to show them unconditional love. And so he's modeling that for us. But as he does that, It reminds us of this is what we ought to be doing as well, of loving others unconditionally, of stepping into their lives. We don't have to wait for an invitation. We don't have to wait until the conditions are met and if they're like us or if they have enough in common, then we'll show them unconditional love, but rather simply stepping into people's lives and showing them unconditional love. And so that's what Christ models for us as he steps into Zacchaeus' life. But then we also get to see that unconditional love submits to God's will. So even if you think of all people, this is Christ laying out for us this perfect example. So as he's stopped, initiated, and stepped into Zacchaeus' life, then we can learn from the phrase, he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So here's a phrase that we might actually just glaze right over. He says, I must stay at your house today. But if we were to to look at this word, I must, and go through Luke and count how many times it's used, 
We get to see it used 15 times just in the book of Luke. And as we do this, we get to see time and time again Christ recognizing the importance of submitting to God's will. And so he says, I must. And as he does this, every time he's referring to obeying God's will, submitting to God's will as well. And so here's Christ. Even though you could think of all the things he has to do, but even on the road, even as he looks up and sees Zacchaeus, he recognizes that he needs to submit to God's will. There's a million other things maybe he needed to get accomplished, a million other people he could talk to, and yet as he recognizes God's will for him, is to sit here and talk to Zacchaeus. So he says, I must. And it's amazing to watch, even as Christ is seeking to fulfill the mission that God has given him. And even as we look, we don't have to look far, but the end of this passage, Luke 19, 10, a verse many of you might have memorized, is, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so that verse is what Christ knew very well. This was his mission. This is why he came. So when he sees Zacchaeus, and you look at the mission, the mission is to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is exactly who Christ has set out for him. This is God's will for him to reach out to Zacchaeus. And so Christ models for that, even the importance of submitting to God's will, of setting aside the many things that you might have that you need to get accomplished, and simply recognizing when God sovereignly places people in our lives, that this is the people God wants us to minister. These are the people God wants us to reach out to and minister. So even as we look at the people around us, many times one of the conditions we put up is our time, our schedule. Does this fit into our schedule? And yet the question shouldn't be whether it fits into, can, can we do this, but is this part of God's will? Is this what God wants for me in my life? And so that requires sacrifices. Those conditions of our time, we have to be willing to take those down. And this can be difficult. This can be challenging because then we're wrestling with our will and God's will. And there might be many good things we could do. And yet sometimes when God is placing people in our lives to minister to, we have to be willing to submit our will to God's will. We have to be willing to to take time out of our schedule. Certainly Jesus was busy and yet he stopped to talk to Zacchaeus knowing that this was God's will. This was his mission was to seek and to save the lost. And so sometimes as we look at our schedules and we see the many good things we could do, and yet we forget the bigger picture of God's will of the people that God wants us to reach out to. And so as we look and get to watch Christ submitting to God's will, he models that for us. As we look at the rejected around us, as we look at how will we show unconditional love, as we seek to set God's will before us and obey it, then as we look at these opportunities around us, maybe it's our neighbors, maybe someone in church, maybe it's someone at work, As God brings these people into our lives, we submit to God's will. We can be able to show unconditional love just as Christ did this. So he says, I must, and we understand as his submission. But then we also see an unconditional love that's personal. It's really amazing of all the things that that Christ could have done is simply told him or maybe directed him to someone else. Christ himself invited him into Zacchaeus, his home. And so we get to simply watch a personal love something that Christ is taking the time to get to know Zacchaeus. It's even as you think about Zacchaeus, his greatest need wasn't resources. It wasn't money. You see, he's a rich tax collector, but his greatest need was a relationship, someone to take time and to talk to him, to point him to truth, to point him to what salvation looks like. And so we get to see as, as Christ models this for us. He says, I must stay at your house today. And so as he does this, he's able to go 
and minister to Zacchaeus personally. It's amazing to watch this. Even as he does this, even as something as simple as a meal, he's simply taking the time to be relational and personal. And as humans, we all know what it's like to be rejected in one sense. And at the same time, when we experience somebody reaching out to us and welcoming us, maybe it's to a new community. Maybe it's when you started coming to this church. Maybe as, as a kid, you remember what it was like when somebody reached out to you. Maybe it was a neighbor making you something. Maybe it was a friend just reaching out to you and be, befriending you. You know how welcoming that is, how much we all enjoy that. Nobody likes to be rejected. And yet we get to see how powerful this is for Zacchaeus, that Christ is showing him this personal love, this relationship, and stepping into his life. And so even as you think of from a secular perspective, how in many communities, it's quite common for neighbors to introduce themselves to new family, to maybe bake some cookies and bring them over to them. And that's coming from a secular perspective. But how much more then as believers should we be willing to show unconditional love to those around us, to step into people's lives? One of the things about that is that it takes time. We have to actually be willing to spend time with them, to step into their lives wherever they're at. But as we do this, we get the opportunity to build a relationship with them, to point them to Christ, just as Zacchaeus did. And so as we look at that, even our communities, those people around us that we're seeking to minister to, this is going to look a little different for each and every one of us, as we're at different seasons of life. Some of us have kids, some of us don't. Some of us, our jobs are very busy. Some of us have more free time. And so each one of us looks different. But the question then that we each can ask ourselves is how are we stewarding our resources, whatever God has given us? And so maybe that means getting to, to go out to coffee with somebody or, or going to spend time at their house. And COVID certainly hasn't made this easier. And so some people are even more closed to relationships. But that doesn't mean we don't just stop trying. As believers, we have the opportunity to show unconditional love. But we have to be willing to take the time to do this in personal ways, to get to know people to reach them where they're at, to step into their lives. So as we get to watch Christ even showing this unconditional love, one of the best ways to do that is simply in a personal way. It's even amazing as Jesus does this, as he goes into this house, and even often did this around meals, something as common as a meal, something we do so often throughout a week. is one of the, the most amazing ways to get to know somebody, to, to just sit over a meal and talk to them, to hear where they're hurting, to hear their joys, to hear their struggles. As we do that, we have an opportunity to pour into their lives, to show them who Christ is, to show them unconditional love. Even as we look at Christ's life, I like how one author said of Christ and how radical it was to simply eat with somebody, the people he ate with. It says that Jesus got himself killed because of the way he ate. And at first glance, you might not really even think of that. And yet, the point is that how radical it was the people that Christ was ministering to. The fact that he would go into these homes to simply eat a meal with them was very radical. You even see why the rulers and authorities got so upset with Jesus was because he was flipping everything upside down. So as Christ did that time and time again, he would reach out to those around him and you just watch the crowd and the rulers, how upset they were because Christ was showing a personal, unconditional love. So as Christ reminds us of just simply using our resources, we don't have to have a lot of money to be able to reach out to people. We simply use what God has given us. 
As we do that, we have an opportunity to reach out, to pour into people's lives, to reach out to those and show them unconditional love, just as Christ has shown us. So here's Christ is showing us what unconditional love looks like. And even as he's showing this, this personal love, but he also shows us that unconditional love transcends public perception. And so what Christ was willing to do was ignore everybody else around him. And we see it very specifically. If Christ cared about what others thought, there's no way he stops and talks to Zacchaeus, let alone invites himself over to his house. Because we get to watch the reaction of the crowd. Verse 6, or verse 7 says, And when they all saw it, when they see Christ talking to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus' response, the crowd's response to all of this, they saw it, they all grumbled. And then the response, they say, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And so that's the public perception of him. They're going to grumble about this and say, He's going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And yet Christ is willing to completely ignore that. Christ knew the the view of tax collectors. He knew how they were treated. And yet Christ completely ignores the crowd. And this isn't the first time. Luke 5, he does this. The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In Luke 15, it says again, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so imagine if Christ was worrying about whether people thought about him, eating with tax collectors and sinners wasn't the way to gain the response of the crowd, wasn't the way to gain much popularity. And yet Christ ignores the crowd. He ignores what others are thinking about him. And many times when we show our unconditional love, it requires us to forget what others might say of this. It might look radical, stepping out to the neighbor that nobody else welcomes, It might even change the way that others view you. Yet we watch Christ do this time and time again, completely reject what others are going to think about him, how this will be perceived. There's an opportunity to show unconditional love, and so he does it, regardless of what the others do. And we even see time and time again as the people rejected Christ to the point of putting him on the cross. So Christ was willing to do whatever it takes. And so sometimes even just an act of unconditional love might look radical in our communities, our neighborhoods, to those around us. But we have to be willing to ignore what others will think, ignore what others will say, because Christ has called us to show this unconditional love. So as we get to see this, the crowd obviously shows how they view Zacchaeus, how they view Christ. And it's just amazing because the contrast is so sharp. You see Zacchaeus, who receives him joyfully, But the crowd grumbles that he's going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So instead of rejecting and ignoring Zacchaeus, Christ embraces and invites him. Even as you see this, Christ came to call sinners and not the righteous. And so regardless of what others were going to think about him, he was going to do the will of the Father. He was going to come to seek and to save the lost. And as Christ models that for us, It's so helpful because many times when we reach out to others, even the very people we're showing unconditional love might reject us, but we aren't worried about what others will think or the way it's viewed. We simply are seeking to be obedient of showing that to others. So as we see this, the crowd, at least for them, and maybe people seeking to minister to Zacchaeus, it could have very easily been a condition. What will others think of me? And so many times that barrier was put up and unconditional love would not be shown. 
But Christ then strips that away, regardless of what others will think of me, regardless of what my busy schedule is, regardless of the sacrifice it takes, I am willing to show unconditional love. So Christ models that for us, but also leaves us a model to, example, to live after, that we are willing to show unconditional love to those around us. And so as Christ then, we see Zacchaeus focusing on Christ, how he shows this love to Zacchaeus. Then the passage concludes, and now we get to see the response of the rejected. It's really amazing to see the transformation. You start off with someone who's rejected, unpopular, a tax collector, someone who is rich. And now the story shifts. And so verse 6, we get to see that unconditional love leads to joy. It says, so he hurried and came down and received him, Christ, joyfully. So you can see, it's not that hard to see why. You see how he's been rejected. And here Christ is showing him this unconditional love, stepping into his life. And so you get to watch Zacchaeus joyfully responding to this. He's receiving him joyfully. It's just amazing, even as we saw the crowd, they grumble about this. And yet you see now Zacchaeus, the impact that Christ's unconditional love has on him. What's amazing and a really helpful reminder for us is the difference that unconditional love can make. Sometimes we only see maybe the negatives of a door slammed in our face or someone that doesn't even respond with gratitude for the love that we've shown to them. But many times we also can see the difference it makes. We see the joy that comes to Zacchaeus. So it's amazing to see the difference that can transform Zacchaeus' life as Christ steps into his life. And so we see a joy, but then we also get to see a transformation. Here's Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He may not have even known much about who Jesus was or what he was teaching. And yet as Christ has now spent time with him, we get to see the transformation that takes place. And so even as we walk through the text, we get to see, verse 8 says, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. If we miss this phrase, we, we miss out on the importance of what Zacchaeus is now saying. Even as he says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. But even that phrase alone, behold, Lord, is significant for Zacchaeus. And so here Zacchaeus is now referring to Christ as Lord. And if we understand that he was willing to claim claim Christ as his Lord. So not only is Zacchaeus transforming, but we also see even his view of who Christ is. He's no longer just a stranger that was passing by, but now he is a changed man, someone that views Christ as his Lord. And so we see that phrase, but then it goes on to show the repentance that happens, the unconditional love that leads to repentance. And we get to see, he says, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And you, see, you see this desire. Verse 1 and 2, we see a chief tax collector, someone who is rich. His desire is about getting as much money as possible. And now we see by the end of this passage, it says, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So we see this change in Zacchaeus' heart. Why did he change? He didn't change simply because Christ shouted something to Zacchaeus as he walked by and left him. He changed because of Christ stepping into his life, of pointing him to the change that salvation can bring. And then we see as Zacchaeus comes to salvation, we see the transformation that takes place. So it's really amazing to watch this. Even as Christ stopped to show unconditional love, he came to seek and to save the lost. But look at the transformation that happens in Zacchaeus' life. 
So ultimately, we even get to see that unconditional love here leads to salvation. That's even as it describes at the end of the passage, it says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. So as you think about that, the story begins with a rejected man, and it ends with salvation. How did that happen? It happened because of unconditional love. As so if you think of the response of the rejected, how amazing would it be if we were able to see responses like that? As we step out into the lives around us, those that are rejected, we seek to take away those conditions. Maybe it's the sacrifices of our time, of our money, of our status, whatever it is, as we take away those conditions and we're showing unconditional love. Maybe this be our goal. Can we set this before us, that this is our goal, that we would see people come to know Christ as their Savior, that they would be led to salvation. And this doesn't happen every time. Maybe you've even experienced this. Sometimes you, you know what it's like to be rejected or ignored or to not even be thanked for the, the many hours you poured into someone's life. But at the same time, other times, people can watch Christ in you. They see the transformation Christ has made in your lives, that you're showing them unconditional love. And how amazing would it be, even if this summer you had an opportunity to simply get to walk somebody through the gospel and to see them respond, to see the joy that comes to their lives, to see the repentance, the transformation that comes as well. And if we're putting up conditions to showing unconditional love, we may never get that opportunity to see salvation come to them. But as Christ has stripped away all of those conditions and is showing unconditional love, we get to see what is possible. And so this ought to be the goal of every believer, of our interactions, not just pastors and missionaries, but every one of us, that the unconditional love we show may lead to salvation. And sometimes this could be over, whether it's meeting with people or reaching out to them, helping a neighbor, helping the rejected around us. This can be our goal, and it might not just take place in a 30-minute conversation. But as we plant those seeds, as we pour into their lives, we can continually be pointing them to Christ. It's how amazing it is that we could see joy and salvation come to the people we minister to. And so that can even be motivating us, even as Christ, his mission, he says he came to seek and to save the lost. And this certainly didn't happen to every single person Christ interacted with. But when we see Zacchaeus, we get to see some of those glimpses of what is possible. And so that sets before us when we spend long hours, when we're sacrificing our time, our schedule, when we're pouring our resources and we have no idea what we will get out of those, we do this because our desire to see others come to know Christ as their Savior. And so this can be an encouraging when we make those sacrifices to remember what the goal is. It's not simply out of duty we're supposed to do these things and supposed to make sacrifices. But as we're seeking even to submit our will to God's will, we're seeking to see salvation come to those we love. As we do this, Christ is simply modeling us what that looks like. Even as verse 10 summarizes this, a verse so known in Luke, and it is the backdrop of Zacchaeus that sets us up for the verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So even as you look at your life, do you see the rejected? Do you see those around you that might be unwelcome, unpopular? And it could be many different reasons that people might not be welcoming those. But we not only have to see them, but then we have to be willing to show them unconditional love. 
And so this is hard because those conditions sometimes are very subtle. The conditions of our time, our money, our resources. But we want to hold those precious. We want to have our structure, our family life, our, our work schedule all balanced out along with our leisure. And so when these opportunities come, it takes sacrifice. And it takes stripping away those conditions. And so as we do this, as you even go throughout this summer, maybe there's those barriers you see. When you come to those conditions, look to Christ as he stripped every one of those away. The view of people around him, his own will, the sacrifices he made, his own resources, whatever it was, as those conditions maybe subtly are coming up to the ministry you can have to those around you. As we look to Christ he frees us to strip away all of those conditions and to simply seek to show that unconditional love. And so this may look different for each and every one of us. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe even a family member. Whoever it might be, though, God is in the business of putting people into our lives. So sometimes they might seem like an annoyance or this is going to take a lot of time. But if we recognize God's sovereignty, even his will, none of those people in our lives are by accident. And so we can recognize, even be looking out for people that God is placing in our lives. People just like Zacchaeus that might have seemed very random and yet was exactly what God intended for Jesus to run across that day. So as we look at the people around us that we have the opportunity to be showing unconditional love to those around us. So even as Christ modeled for us, the question is, are we then willing to show unconditional love unconditionally? Let's pray.